really wanted to talk about the, the topic that we're dealing with this whole weekend. And it's, it fascinates me that we, we're talking about this idea of wonder. You know, what does wonder mean? We, you, we, we really need to talk about that because it can mean a couple of different things. It can mean that we're not sure about something. We're not sure about what's going to happen in the future. I wonder how I'm going to do on my test in school tomorrow. I wonder what grade I'm going to get, right? We're, it shows kind of an uncertainty about what's coming. But this definition of wonder that I really want to talk about is this one. And it is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. And that really is the kind of wonder we're talking about. This sense of awe we have, this feeling of surprise that we have that shows admiration for what we're looking for. And I have, I'm one of those that has always been, uh, had some admiration and some surprise about animals. I love animals. Anybody else like animals? One of the things that has always fascinated me is the diversity of animals, all the different kinds of animals. And tonight what we're going to talk about is this idea of, of, about some amazing animals. We're going to look at those as we go through. But one of the things, I grew up watching a TV show called Wild Kingdom with Marlon Perkins. You guys know nothing for your time. But it was one of these TV shows that was on every weekend. Uh, and it was about the, the animals of the world. And there was always this older guy, Marlon Perkins, that was the narrator. And this younger guy, Jim. And as Marlon would be describing the crocodiles in the river, Jim would be the one that would have to go in and wrestle the crocodile while Marlon stayed off in the distance. And I always wanted to be Jim. I always was fascinated to get up close and, and see the animals up close. Well, the Lord actually has allowed me to do that. And I, because I do mission work, I've had the opportunity to go to some amazing places, one of which is Africa. And initially, some of the photographs that you're going to see on the screen are photos I've taken on mission trips in Africa. We, go, we call it the zoo without walls. It is fascinating to see herds of zebras that are literally hundreds, if not thousands, of zebra in one group. And you start to notice things. First of all, quick question, trivia. Does anybody know, are zebras white with black stripes or black with white stripes? They are. They're black with white stripes. They're born solid black as, as babies. They develop the, the white stripes as they go along. And it's interesting that the stripes are much like a fingerprint. Every pattern is different. And I love looking at all the different zebras and seeing all the different patterns. Some of them are polka dotted. They can be very strange looking. Uh, but I've had the opportunity to see this kind of stuff up close and personal. Hippopotamus out of the water. It's not, it's not usual to see them running around. One of the cool things, a little trivia about hippopotamuses, is when they're out of the water in the sun in Africa, after a few minutes they start turning red. And what's happening is God has actually designed them to have sunscreen built into their bodies. They actually sweat this red liquid that has an SPF factor in it. That just like we do when we go outside, we put SPF on us to keep us from sunburning. 
Well, God built a natural SPF factor into this liquid that hippopotami sweat out of their glands when they're on the land because they have to get to the next pond or the next place where there's water. Uh, and it keeps them from sunburning, which is so fast. How did that happen? How, I mean, what evolutionists want to tell us is that there was just one day there was a hippopotamus that had a mutation. We talk about mutations, right? From X-Men, everybody knows what mutants are, right? But when we talk about the animal world, we talk about these mutations. Is all of a sudden, there were all of these hippopotami that kept getting sunburned. So sunburned that they didn't want to get out of the water. Well, one day, one was born, and he had this mutation where he automatically had this whole system to protect him from the sun, this built-in sunscreen. But, guys, it doesn't work that way. These systems are so elaborate and so complex, they all have to be present in order for the system to work. For in order for them to have this liquid in their body, if they mutated the liquid, but they didn't mutate the gland system to express the liquid when it reached a certain temperature or when they were out in the sun, then the liquid wouldn't help them, right? They have to have the whole system built in in order for it to function. And we see that in animals that we're used to. Here's another close-up of the hippo. Uh, I got to be within about 15 feet of this guy, uh, and he was checking me out pretty good. More people die from hippos in Africa than any other animal in Africa. We're always afraid of the lions, but it's really these guys that you need to worry about. Families of elephants. I know everybody, Oh, I love the baby elephants. This one was having a hard time getting up this hill and mom is behind him with her trunk pushing him up the hill because it was muddy and he kept sliding back down in. This was me preaching. This is a, this is a howler monkey. Is it lions roaming around? This lion just walked right past us, uh, probably four feet away from, from the truck we were in. A leopard hanging out in a tree in the afternoon after a kill. The leopard actually had a deer, uh, a gazelle, in the tree with them. He had, what they do is they take their prey up into the trees to protect them from other predators and that kind of stuff. So he was just chilling out in the tree with his dinner hanging in the branch next to him. Here's Pumbaa, right? Warthogs. Strange-looking critters. And you look at these things and you go, this is just weird. Why would God make such a weird animal? And as we start looking, we start to realize that there's beauty, there's speed. This was a gazelle that was actually down, gazelle, this was a, a cheetah that was actually down in the grass. I have a, another photo where you can just see her eyes. She saw us long before we saw her. And you start to realize the fascination of these amazing animals. And so I want to talk tonight about some specific amazing animals. We're going to not have a whole lot of time tonight, and we only have about 20 minutes or so. So we could be here all weekend just talking about these things. But I want to talk about just a few to show you. But I want you to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Romans chapter 1 tells us something fascinating. And we heard this earlier in a, in a lesson earlier today. But notice he says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, he's talking about God here, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. You see, if we look around, we can see God 
through what's been made. We can wonder at the creation of God through what he's made around us. Now science tells us that there's an answer for all of that and it doesn't have anything to do with God. But you'll notice that Paul told the Romans there is evidence. It can be clearly seen and so they are without excuse. We need to recognize and we need to walk around looking for God in the creation around us. If, we, if we'll do that, if we'll spend time looking at the stars and just as a preview tomorrow morning, we're going to do a whole lesson on space and, and the vastness of the universe that God has created. But if we will look around at the, the world that God has made around us, we're going to see evidence of him and proof of his existence because of the way things are made. Now, this is a shot I took in Arusha National Park. I, I, we came around the corner and these giraffe, and I love giraffe. They're just so weird looking. That there's no other creature like them that walks around. One of the cool things about giraffes is they're so tall, the males can be over 20 feet tall. The females usually average between 16 and 18 feet tall. But when they run, they look like they run in slow motion because they're, in, they're just so big and lanky. But they're lightning fast. They're, their legs are so long, they can cover such great distances. But when you watch them run, it looks like they're running in slow motion. But the cool part about giraffes is their neck. They actually eat from thorn bushes. They eat the leaves off of these thorn bushes. But these thorn bushes have thorns on them that are roughly this long, and they're needle sharp. As a matter of fact, every time I go, I'm one of those guys, you know, your parents said don't touch the stove, right? How did you find out the stove was hot? You touch it. Well, every time I go, I see these bushes, I see these really sharp spikes, what do you think I do? I got to touch them. I got to remind myself that they're sharp. And literally just touching the end of one will make your finger bleed. That's how sharp they are. And these giraffe eat the leaves that are around these spiny branches at the tops of the trees with their tongue. Now, can you imagine those sharp things poking? But God has They can wrap around the branches between the spikes and they can get the leaves off without any damage or any pain to their tongue. You see, they're designed to eat those branches. They're designed to eat those leaves, even though other critters can't because of the spikes. But they also have these super long necks. Now, that becomes a problem when you start to think about evolution. Which came first, their big heart or their long necks? Well, I'm going to argue that they had to both be there at the same time. Because here's the problem. Their hearts are actually over two and a half feet long. They need these giant pumps in their chest because they've got to pump blood all the way up to that head. And guess what? They're working against gravity, aren't they? Gravity's pulling the blood down. And so they need these really ginormous heart muscles to pump the blood all the way up to their head. But there's another problem for giraffe, and that is when they take a drink, okay? I, they look so clumsy, don't they? But they have to get their legs all way out wide, otherwise they can't get down deep enough. And they have to bend their head down to get a drink. But now think about that for a second. This giant heart that pumps blood to their head, what happens when now all of a sudden it's pumping with gravity instead of away from gravity? They can actually blow their brains out. Their heart is big enough to cause their brain to hemorrhage 
because of the force of the blood when it's pumping down their neck when they take a So what do they do? Well, they just don't drink. Well, then they die of thirst, right? They, they don't get any water, so that won't work. So guess what? God has built into them this series of spigots that go up its neck. And as it bends its neck down, these little valves turn off all the way down the neck. So it keeps the blood from getting to the giraffe's brain. But what happens when you deprive your brain of, of blood and oxygen? You die. Or at least you pass out. Now in Africa, passing out would be a bad thing, right? What's running around? Lions and predators would just be hanging out at the water hole waiting for the giraffe to bend over and take a drink. Easy prey, right? He's going to pass out because he's got no blood to his brain. But it actually, they actually turn off in a sequence so that the blood continues to flow to the brain while it's drinking. And then the last thing that happens is there is a sponge in the back of their head that keeps this pool of blood so that the animal doesn't pass out while it's taking a drink. Here's a lion come and all of a sudden it stands back up. Well, when I was a teenager I had this problem, especially guys, sometimes girls too, when you're growing, you know, you guys are growing lightning speed, right? And have you ever gotten up too fast and you almost kind of black out? Anybody ever had that happen? The reason that happens is because of the blood not getting to your brain fast enough. When we stand up real fast, it takes a second for our body to get that blood into our brain. So imagine the giraffe, what does he do? He stands up real quick because he's a lion. But there's no blood pumping from his chest to his brain. What's going to happen? Lunch for the lion again, right? He's going to pass out. But it doesn't work that way because you know what? That sponge that's in the back of his head, there's a group of muscles around that sponge. And as he lifts his head up really quick, those muscles constrict and they squeeze the blood that's in that sponge into his brain so he doesn't pass out. And while that's happening, all those valves turn back on. So when he lifts his head up, he gets that little squeeze of blood in his brain so he doesn't pass out and doesn't become lion food. And by the time that blood is gone, the rest of the blood is reaching from his heart back into his brain. And his blood pressure is fine. Instantly, he is perfectly healthy, not a problem. And he can run, he can get away from the lion. But see, if they just mutate the valve but not the whole system to have it work, it doesn't help the giraffe. If they mutate the sponge, you know, just one day a giraffe woke up and said, extra sponge in the back of my head, what am I going to do with this sponge? It won't work that way, right? You need the sponge, you need the muscles, you need the valves, you need all of that working together. And because of that, we see design. And where there's design, there's a designer, right? clearly see what God has made and what God has designed. The giraffe was designed this way so that it could survive in the environment that it finds itself in. And so we think of animals like the giraffe, but I also like things like hummingbirds. Hummingbirds are fascinating. I don't know if you're aware of this, but most hummingbirds weigh about the, the same weight as a nickel. Now you see them buzzing around and I... I I, I love how fast they fly. You probably see them in your backyard from time to time. 
But hummingbirds are really, really unique in that they are super, super lightweight. The reason is because they fly so fast and they have wings that attach at their shoulders differently than any other bird. They can actually fly backwards. They're the only bird that can fly backwards. And they flap their wings up to 200 flaps per second. That's what makes that humming sound. It's not the noise out of their mouth. They're not humming tunes. It's their, it's their wings that make that hummingbird sound. And it's because they actually do their wings in a figure eight configuration instead of just a normal flap like a regular bird. And that allows them to fly fast. It allows them, but it causes a problem for the hummingbird. And the problem is its metabolism. It actually has to eat half its weight in sugar every single day. Now, it, they don't weigh a whole lot, but imagine eating half of your body weight in sugar every day. First of all, I would love to give that to you and then turn you loose to Cliff and have him manage the rest of the youth forum. We'd see how that would go. But it's an incredible amount of food. As a matter of fact, they constantly are burning that food because their heart beats more than 1,200 beats per minute. Our average heart rate is somewhere between uh, 60 and 90, and our resting heart rate's about 50. But what happens with a hummingbird, so he's, he's eating constantly to keep his fuel, the sugar that he needs. He's burning it all up as fast as he eats it. But what happens overnight? Well, he lands on a branch to... to go to sleep at night, at that metabolism, he would literally starve to death by morning. His body would burn up all of its fuel, and he would literally die of starvation by morning if he didn't eat all night long. How does that work? How does he sleep? Well, he's designed to change his metabolism, and everything in his body slows down. He almost goes into what's called hibernation. Every single night, just you hear about bears that hibernate over the winter, everything slows down because they don't eat for so long. But with a hummingbird, he does it every single night. Now, if that wasn't fascinating enough, there's another problem, and that is there's a certain kind of hummingbird that actually migrates 500 miles across uh, the Gulf of Mexico. It takes two days to get there. He flies nonstop. Why doesn't he die of starvation? Well, because he was designed to do that. And his body actually changes metabolism as he flies. It's fascinating. But I want to talk about cephalopods. In the time we have left, I want to show you some videos. Uh, we're going to look at some cephalopods are, are octopi and squids. Uh, I didn't take these. mine, But I want you to watch some of these videos. Notice this, this octopus. You can clearly see him as he moves across the floor. But all of a sudden, he gets scared. He gets this white stripe down his back, and he decides to hide in plain sight. And he gets into the rocks, and he's able to change his whole body to just blend in with the material around him instantly. Here's another one. Notice that dark pattern there in the middle. You'll see him move. That's the octopus. And what he's going to do is he's actually going to change the color and the texture of his body to match this material around him. And he's just going to blend right in. You would go right past him and not see him. It's a defense mechanism that they've created, that God has created, that allows him to hide in plain sight. 
Squid do the same thing, this whole family of animals. Now, octopi and squid also have something else that's interesting, not just their skin. They have blue blood, they have multiple hearts, and they, they're able to change their color on a whim. These are two males that are fighting. This is a male and a female. Notice the male on the left is showing the white side to the males trying to keep males away. And he's showing his calmer side to the female. But when he changes sides, he shifts the body over. They'll show it again in slow motion. Watch when he changes sides. The, one, the female the calmer, gentler side. The males are seeing the white side. But as he changes, he's going to switch his body color instantly so that she sees the calmer, gentler squid and the, the males see the other. So proof that some men are always two-faced, I guess, is the, the idea. But what I really want to talk about are cuttlefish. Cuttlefish are, are some of the most bizarre animals. They have the largest brain-to-body ratio of any invertebrate on the planet. Their brain is actually donut-shaped. It's got a hole in it. Octopi, by the way, have nine brains. They don't have just one. They have nine. They have one brain in their head and one on each tentacle so that it can control each tentacle separately so it can think on its own. No other brain like that. There's no other brain in the animal kingdom like that. And the same with these cuttlefish. But these are, this is a color, cuttlefish. But watch what this cuttlefish can do. Not only can he change his color and texture, but watch it as it tries to hide from this scuba diver. It goes down into this algae bed, and it literally changes color and texture in order to, to disappear into the algae. Now, the question becomes, how does it do that? Well, it uses these cells called chromatophores. And chromatophores are actually these little cells. They're not, it's not pigmented. There's actually three layers on a cuttlefish of these cells, yellow, red, and brown. And these, these cells are actually super elastic. It's like rubber. And they have a series of, of muscles around them. And in order to change, what they do is they stretch these things out so that they can change their color. And, and underneath that is a series of iridescent uh, cells that reflect light. And so they can pull on these little cells. But how did that, how did that evolve? You see, just having the little colored disc wouldn't be enough. You have to have the muscles to pull on the disc. You have to have muscles to change the shape of the disc, to change your color. You have to have a brain that knows how to access those muscles. You have to have a brain that knows how to access the different layers at different times. See, it's a system that all has to work together. Here's a, an example of a cuttlefish, and they can actually strobe. As you notice with this one, Notice how the color on his back is actually pulsating. The funny part about this is they suspect they use this to hypnotize prey. They also do it to try to scare away predators. But they can do this almost immediately. Here's a smaller video, but you'll get the point. Notice, here's the cuttlefish, and there's a crab it wants to eat. And notice what it does with this coloration. It starts to strobe, and it mesmerizes and he can go right up to it but all of that's being done instantaneously I, I mean think of everything that's going on there evolution cannot explain how these creatures do this 
and how they developed this system of camouflage. Now, in, in addition to the, the chromatophores, they have so something called papillae. And the papillae are the things that, that create this texture on them. So they can not only change color, but they can change texture instantaneously to match their surroundings. And here's a video that shows a close-up of what's happening. Watch the skin on the back of this creature as it controls the texture. Isn't that amazing? Now think about it for just a second. You not only need the cells that can do that, you need the muscles that can control the cells. You need the brain that can tell the muscles what to do to control the cells. See, mutation doesn't explain it. If you mutate the papillae, but you don't have the cell's not going to do the animal any good, and he's never going to use it. And so he's not going to keep it. That mutation's going to go away because it's not helpful to the survival of the animal. It's not helpful to allow them to eat or to, to hunt or to hide. And so there would be no reason to keep it, and it would eventually go away. But you have this entire system of the chromatophores and the papillae all together at one place at one time and an animal that can control all of it instantaneously as it needs to as it uses that very complex brain to look at the material around him and actually hide based on the texture of what's going on around him. One last one and this, this I think really dra dramatizes the issue. As this diver is diving, you see this algae on the left-hand side. But as he gets close enough, all of a sudden you're going to notice that there's actually an octopus that's part of that algae tree. And he inks and squeezes off, and the diver chases him. And when he stops, he tries to make himself look really big. But watch what he does with his coloring. Tries to change his color to look intimidating. Tries to make that eye look really big. But now watch, they're going to show it in slow motion in reverse. Watch this octopus as he blends in with this algae. He's going to change his color. He's going to change his texture. All instantaneously, all to hide. And he's gone. Folks, evolution cannot explain how these animals do this. Evolution is inadequate to describe a system that is so complex and so intact that these animals can use it. You see, that's what we were talking about when we talked about wonder, isn't it? That's what we were talking about in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, when he says that his eternal power, his divine nature, have been clearly seen through what has been made. When we look at the animal world, we see design. We look at animals that are complete the way they are, that they were designed to function that way. And God made them that way so that when we looked at the world around us, we would see him. We would recognize that there is a designer, that there's something greater beyond just the tangible physical universe that we can look at. And we can know that he's there. And it should give us a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration, right? Admiration not just for the animal, and I have to admit, I admire octopi. They're, they're cool animals. But the admiration should be given to the creator that designed them. The creator that made them and put them here so that we would know that he exists. And that should cause, it, it, it's caused by something beautiful. 
The animals are beautiful, but God is beautiful as well, isn't he? The things that he has done so that we can see his existence. And yes, it's unexpected, and at times it's unfamiliar, and in times it's inexplicable except for one answer. And that is that God created these things so that we would know who he was and that we would be without excuse. I'm going to tell you, walk in this world looking around. Walk in this world looking for God and you'll see him everywhere. We can understand that he's here and that he, his presence with us through the things that he's made, especially in the animal kingdom. Tomorrow we're going to look at another aspect of this, this creation, the universe. And we're going to see it even more so in that tomorrow. So look at the animals, enjoy what God has made, but give glory and honor to the God that made them. And know that he's here and understand that we can clearly see him through what's been made. Thank you.